0: are in our second week going through the book of Jonah. This is a short book, and uh, it's an often misunderstood book. It's a book that uh, causes mic issues, and it's a book that um, oftentimes people think of as this cute little children's story. It's a book that people look at as this really, uh, you know, just kind of funny story, and maybe you heard it growing up if you ever went to church in Sunday school or saw movies or that kind of thing, but really it's a book that confronts us, and it's a book that challenges us, and it's a book that convicts us, and it's written specifically for this purpose. It's, it's not a cute book. It's a confrontational book that helps us deal with some of the things that often we don't want to look at. It, it helps us to come face to face with God's heart and thus face to face with our own hearts. And so this is uh, what we are looking at over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, my mom is in town this week. And uh, wow, well, my mom's got fans. Yeah. So um, my, my mom's in town this week and I didn't share when she got here so now I feel horrible but um, uh, we, I wanted to take her to Telluride. If you've never been to Telluride before it's this beautiful kind of mountain resort uh, community and I wanted to show her a couple homes I have over there and uh, we so we were uh, uh, just one and so we were driving uh, there to take a trip and um, on the way there, we, we left Friday and we camped and then, and I wanted to get just, man, it's so beautiful if you've never been there. It's gorgeous. And driving there and singing the Tim McGraw song, if you've never heard that, the Tell You Right snow falling down. Okay, listen to it. Uh, driving there and, um, and listening to the song. And then uh, we get a flat tire. We get a flat tire. I know it's sad. So we, we get a flat tire and spent the whole day uh, basically fixing that tire in Montrose, and uh, Montrose is not like Telluride. If you've ever been to Telluride, if you've ever been to either of those places, it's not—they're not the same. And um, and I was thinking about uh, the sermon and thinking about uh, this because there's nothing really else to do at Big O Tires in Montrose. And I was thinking about the fact that that life is not a straight shot, just like traveling to Telluride is not a straight shot. That a lot of times we set our course, we make our plans, we have these destinations in mind of where we are going to go. And we may be excited about it. And we may be pumped up about it. And we, we've got all the different things that we want to do. And, and we've, we've got our sights set on things. But life is not a straight shot. And you know this. There's ups and there's downs. There's, there's things that you, that you are moving in one direction. But something comes into your life. A flat tire or, or sickness or job change or whatever. And, and life shifts into a different direction. It, life's not a straight shot. And that's true when it comes to faith as well. You, you may have started off in life with God and you were really excited and you, were, you had this straight shot in mind of what life with, with you and God was going to look like and you were passionate about faith or excited about faith and, and maybe you went to college and that changed things and, and, and your relationship it kind of got put on the back burner. I, I've talked to many people that would say, yeah, I went to college and then kind of, I haven't really thought about faith or God. It's just kind of been something in, in the back of my life for a long time. Or maybe you get married, and you're excited, and you kind of have this vision of, man, this straight shot in marriage of, man, we're going to get married, and then our love's just going to keep growing. And one day after another, it's going to get better and better and better and better, and, and it gets harder. And things change, and it's not a straight shot. Or, or maybe it's, uh, it's other things. Maybe it's just in your job. You, you've got these these uh, ideas about what you want to do with work and, and, and how work's going to bring purpose in your life and, and excitement and how you're going to change the world. Or maybe it's not even that. It's just, man, I want a job that gives me happiness and, and that fulfills me. And you get a job and you're like, here we go. And then, and then the first week and then the second week and then the third week and... And kind of get off track a little bit. And there's things that change in our relationship with God or things that change in our faith or things that change in our joy or things that change in our plans and our goals and our directions. That we've got kind of this destination or these wants and, and, and pursuits. And, and the same is true with our faith, but it's not usually a straight shot. This is what happened with Jonah, too. We looked at this last week, that that Jonah was a man that was a religious person. He was familiar with God. He was close to God. He he, he was a prophet. His vocation was to hear from God and and call people to what God has for them. And he was successful in that. The only other piece of information about Jonah's life that we have in the Bible comes from a passage where it talks about him telling, hey, God's going to do something, and, and the nation of Israel responds, and it goes well which was the ultimate thing that a prophet wanted. You want to say, hey, this is going to happen, and it happens, and, and, and people change direction because of it, and it goes well. And so, man, he was a person going in a certain direction, and yet it wasn't a straight shot. Because when God called, when God asked him to do something that was different, when God intervened in a certain way into his life, it changed things. And he ran from God, as we looked at last week. He, he ran from what God had for him. He thought in life, as we can often think, here's where I'm going, this is what I have, this is, this is what life and faith and God is going to look like, and then something interrupts that, maybe like Jonah, for you, something interrupts that in your life, where you're going, man, I'm going to follow God, I'm going I'm to be close to God, I'm going to believe these things, and here's what life's going to look like, and maybe, like Jonah, God says something that interrupts, that causes you to run from what God says. A lot of times we run from what God says. We can't uh, go back and cover everything last week, but we run from what God says with our relationships or we run from what God says with our time or with our money that we may say, here's this straight shot of where I'm going and then something kind of intervenes, something kind of messes it up and we often run from God like Jonah did. We run from what God says or we run from God's heart. A lot of times we run from God's heart, which sometimes looks different from running from what God says. It eventually is the same thing, but we don't share what God's heart is. This this is a lot of what Jonah actually has to do with, and we'll talk about this in the coming weeks, but a lot of Jonah's running from what God gave to him, what God said to him, is he was actually running from God's heart. That Jonah, as today we have these issues as well, had racial pride and didn't want those on the outside of his race to experience God. This is something we can run from God's heart in. God cares about people on the outside. God cares about injustices done to people outside of our race. And a lot of times we actually shy away from what God's heart is towards people. This is slightly relevant in today's news. And I'm saying that sarcastically. But we run from God's heart. God cares about people. And we often, we retreat from what God cares about. We retreat from what God says. We retreat from what God cares about. And so this straight shot that we may have in mind of what life with God and what faith is going to look like often changes. It often gets interrupted and we find ourselves, whether this is for a season in life or maybe just a day or a few hours or a week. You know, Jonah, Jonah the, the events of Jonah's life, I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like this long, you know, drawn out months and months and months that Jonah was... Um, running away from God. It was very compacted. But sometimes the case is that we have been distant from God for years. Maybe this is actually for you really scary because this is the first time back to church in a long time and you've been running from God. You've been distant from God. And this is a step actually in the right direction, which I applaud you for, but it can be really hard because there may have been years built up of life away from God. But it can also just be like Jonah, where it's a a week or a few days or whatever it is, where we, we start to turn away from God's heart. We start to turn away from God's word. And as a pastor, I talk to people all the time. I've talked to some of you that would say, yeah, my life has gotten off track. I had this course. I had this straight shot that I was wanting to move towards. But my life has gotten off track in some way my life's gotten off track. Maybe I'm not with, maybe I don't have the relationship with my spouse that I thought I was going to have. I don't have the relationship with my kids that I thought I was going to have. I don't have the relationship with God that I thought I was going to have. And and I feel like I've gotten off track. and, And sometimes we don't even know what happened. We can't point to the place that we ran from God's word or ran from God's heart. And we find ourselves off track I've talked to people this week. They say, man, I just feel like I'm spiritually struggling right now and, and, and I've started to kind of move away. I'm not necessarily at church anymore, around Christian friends anymore, and I've started to move away and I've found myself off track. What happened? I've lost joy and I'm off track or I've lost purpose and I'm off track or I don't really even know who I am anymore. I'm off, I'm off track. A lot of times we find ourselves in these places when we run from what God says or what God cares about. Um, and sometimes our off-trackness is expressed in just that it, we don't so much feel, man, I'm I'm way off course, I'm, I'm going the opposite direction in a boat like Jonah did, but but we feel stuff is waning. I used to be excited about God's heart for the world, and I can feel that starting to wane. I used to really care about the people in my life and want to serve them the way God has served me. And I, I feel that starting to wane. It's more of a burden now. Man, I used to really care about, about God's mission and, and bringing, welcoming people into his family. And, and I was really excited about that. And something started to wane in my heart where it's not, it doesn't grip me anymore. I used to really care about... Sorry, guys, don't know what's going on. I used to really care about about growing in my relationship with God and, and getting to know him more and who he is. And, and that's just waning. You can tell. You can see that it's kind of softening and deadening, maybe the passion that you had or the excitement that you had because stuff is hard and, and your goals start to change and life starts to change and you get distracted and we want to be on track We want to move forward with what God has. We want to to move in that straight line, that straight shot where we say, yeah, I want to care what God cares about and listen to what God says and and live my life in line with that. We we want to be on track. We don't want the lows in life and the sins in life and the failures in life. We don't want that to define us if you have gotten off track and when you get off track, again, whether that's for a season of life or just for a, a week or a day or a few hours, We don't want that to be what defines us. We don't want to be stuck in that place. But often we don't know how to move forward when we get off track. Often when we get off track, when we find ourselves waning, when we find ourselves away from God's heart or God's word, often when we find ourselves there, we don't know how to get back on track. We don't know how to move forward. We don't even know if we can sometimes. Maybe it's too late. Maybe I'm in too deep. Maybe I'm stuck. Maybe I can't get out of this. You may feel guilt. You may feel the pain. You may feel the low and want to get out, want to get back on track, but not necessarily know how to move forward. Life's not a straight shot. It won't be for any of us. What do we do when we get off track? What do we do when we find ourselves either in that week or that day or or those, that season of life, what do we do when we find ourselves off track? How do we move forward? And this is really what this is about, this next part in Jonah. And so for some of you, maybe this is going to be relevant this week, or it's going to be relevant today, this afternoon, or in a few weeks, or, or maybe it's right now. And this may be the key moment in your life to actually hear what God says and what God speaks to those of us that have found or will find ourselves off track. And so here is Jonah's prayer. When he ran from God last week, he runs from God, he gets on a ship, he goes the opposite direction, they throw him into the water, and a big fish swallows him up, and that's where we left off. And here's Jonah's prayer. Here's what it says, Jonah 2. Then Jonah prayed, which is what you do if you find yourself in a fish. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So here's what we see in this passage. This helps us. If you're someone that has found yourself off track, if, you're found, if, you're, if you've found yourself waning in caring about what God cares about or what God says, if, if you've found yourself in a place where you are off course from where you wanted to be or thought you would be with God and, and the life that you set out, if you find yourself in that place, even if you find yourself during the day in that place, Jonah helps us because he had gotten as far off track as was possible. So what's the first step? moving forward when we find ourselves off course? What's the first step in moving forward? Life's not straight. We experience sin. We experience failure. We experience lows. What's the first step in moving forward? And, And here's what we see. Jonah's in pain, right? He's in pain. And some of you can identify poetically with the language that he uses. Jonah says, I've got weeds wrapped around my head. And you probably don't literally have that, but you may poetically go, yeah, I feel like Man, I feel like I'm drowning. And Jonah would say, yeah, I really was drowning. Man, I feel like life stinks. And Jonah, yes, no, I'm literally, it stinks in here. And you say, man, my life's crap. And Jonah would say, yeah, I'm seeing some of that in here. And what Jonah experienced literally, we do experience poetically. We experience the pain of, drowning and we experience the pain of feeling distant from God and the anxiety about the future. Jonah says, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I'm about to near death and fear and no joy and just feeling far from God and feeling the, the own sting of your sin and your guilt. Jonah's experiencing all of that. And here's what Jonah does, the first step in moving forward He begins with being honest about it with God. He begins with being honest about it with God. The very first words he says is, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. I'm in this distress. I feel like I'm in hell. I feel like I'm sinking down. I feel like I'm drowning. I'm trapped. And and what do I do? The first step in moving forward, what Jonah does is in his distress, he calls out to God honestly. He says, God, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm experiencing. Here's the pain. Here's my emotion. Here's here's where maybe I feel far from you. Here's where I don't like you. Here's here's what I feel like is going to happen to me. And in honesty, the first step in moving forward, when we've gotten off track, what Jonah does is he honestly calls out to God. And he says God hears him. Over and over again in this passage, he, he talks about, I called out. And he answered me. I called out, and he heard me. I called out, and he was listening to me. My prayers came to him. They actually sometimes, you know, we pray and we kind of okay. Did that sort of make it up? And then a bird grabbed it and you know pooped it out somewhere. Like did did it get to God? He says, "My prayers." You're like, I've never thought that in my life. Now you will. You know, (laughs) I don't think I'd ever thought it before either. But but sometimes we feel like, man, my prayers don't reach God. Don't we feel that way? My prayers don't reach God, and. And Jonah says, here's the first step in moving forward. I called out in my distress, and I know he heard me. And here's the truth. Even though this is the first step, and even though probably if you were taking a multiple choice quiz, and was like, hey, what's the first step that you should do uh, you know, if you're struggling in something? Probably you would say, oh, I should pray. That's the first step. Hey, if you found yourself off course, if you found yourself off track, if, if you were moving in this direction and found yourself instead away from God's heart and away from God's word, if you found yourself there, we would probably say, oh yeah, the first step is prayer. But that's not often what we do. Oftentimes when we find ourselves off course or off track, we may try to make up for it in some way. If, if you find yourself um, maybe in a fight with your spouse and, and you've done something bad, And and in that moment, you're off track from God. You're off course from God. You're in a fight, and maybe it's going a couple hours, and you're like, man. And you're finding yourself in this place of, okay, I'm not where God wants me to be. And maybe your instinct is, you know what, I'll I'll make up for it. I'll go buy flowers. I'll go buy chocolate. I'll I'll go uh, do something nice for them. A lot of times when we find ourselves off course, our instinct is maybe, hey, I'll make up for it. I'll do something, or maybe we even do this with God. You know, I've known people that have found themselves way off track and then go, well, I'm going to give a ton of money to make up for what I've done. We find yourself off course, and, and we find ourselves in the pain of that, whether that's guilt or anxiety or stress. And, and oftentimes our response is, maybe I'll make up for it, or maybe you find yourself off course in your job you want to have a job where you honor God and where you're joyful in what you're doing and you really connect God's work and your work and you feel this sense of purpose and, and instead it's just joyless and your boss is a jerk and your coworkers are stupid and, and you're just like, man, this sucks and you're in distress and maybe if you find yourself here now, what did you do? You went on LinkedIn, started going on Monster and looking for jobs, started, and oftentimes it's planning and thinking, but in the middle of distress, a lot of times we don't call out to God, even though that's the first step in moving forward. I was listening to uh, This American Life podcast. It's really the only podcast I listen to, so if you ever hear me quote a podcast, that's what it is, and And if you ever want to know what my sermon illustrations are going to be, listen to it and you'll probably go, oh, I bet he's going to say this. Um, And uh, there was this lady, this gal, and she she, was talking about how she loved this certain radio show um, psychologist, doctor that you can talk in and ask for relationship advice and things like that. And she listened to it for years and years, I think five years, you know, all the time. And she started to develop just this like relationship with that woman in the sense of, man, I love this girl. And whatever she says, that's what I think. And starting to think like her and give advice to her family the way she would give it. It was just like, oh, man, this is so good. And she loved it. And and she uh, called into the show a couple times and got some advice and, and and, and changed some things. And then she got into some bad relationships that were abusive, unhealthy. She's in distress. And she didn't call out to this woman. She didn't call into the show. She didn't even listen to the show for five years because she knew in the middle of her distress, she thought, I'll call out after I get it fixed, after I make the right plans, after I clean this up, after I make up for what I've done because she knew this woman wouldn't approve, after I make up for it, after I clean it up, after I can fix it, then maybe I'll call out again. And that's what happened. And they even compared in this show that to the person, that to the person that says, man, I know that I'm kind of wandering away from God, but I don't want to call out to him. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to, because I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to do. And I actually don't even want to hear. And sometimes in the middle of our distress, even though it's painful, even though it's hurtful, even though we would say, here's the first thing you should do, call out to God even though we would say that, we'd get the right answer on the test. We don't. We make plans. We might try to make up for it. We may feel, oh, I'll fix it first, and then I might talk to God about it. And what we see in Jonah is the very first thing that we have to do if we want to move forward. The very first thing we have to do is to honestly call out to God. To Say, I'm in distress, and I need you. I'm in pain, and I, even if that pain is self-inflicted, as it was with Jonah, even if we brought it on ourselves, as it was with Jonah, to say, I need you, knowing that he hears us. That's the first thing. That's the first step in moving forward is to pray. And what does this prayer look like? What does the prayer that moves us forward look like? The first thing we have to do if we want to get back on course is to pray. But what does that prayer look like? What does the prayer that actually begins to get us back on course look like? And, And really what Jonah sums up for us is it's prayer of remembering. It's prayer that remembers who God is. Because here's what the problem is in the first place. The problem that gets us wandering from God, that gets us waning from being excited about God and who he is and what he says and what his heart is, the problem that gets us there in the first place is forgetting God. And Jonah uses the language of idolatry. He says that those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Jonah says, look, here's actually the core of the problem. The core of the problem that gets us off course, the core of the problem that gets us in those lows, that gets us in those sins, that gets us running from God, that gets us waning from where we wanted to be with God. The the thing that gets us there, Jonah says, is idolatry. Idolatry. See, when we forget God, when we don't remember God, when we forget God, it's not that we don't do anything. When you forget God, it's not that you go nowhere, it's that you turn elsewhere. Jonah says we start to pay regard, to count on, to trust in, to look to, to think about, to hope in, idols. Those who pay regard to vain idols, meaning they're empty, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. See, Jonah says here's what happens. We forget God and we turn to idols. And an idol, don't just think about a statue. An idol is anything that can take the place of God in your life. Anything that you look to instead of God. Anything that you hope in instead of God. Anything you, you trust in, that you build your identity in, that you truly love, that your joy is truly found in. It can be anything that you say, this is actually what I ascribe worth to. That's where the word worship comes from, that it's I'm, I'm putting worth on it. Saying, this is my value, this is my identity, this is what I'm moving towards. And Jonah says, when we forget God, when we forget God, it's not that we end up neutral, it's that we turn to someone else, to something else, to some idol that we begin to say, this is where hope is found, this is where love is found, this is where identity is found. We want those idols to save us, and to save means to give us life, to fulfill us, to bring us what we long for in life, to save us out of whatever pain we feel, to save us out of whatever low we feel, and we turn to idols. But this is sad because in doing this, in turning away from God and in turning to idols, in doing this, we miss out on the grace and the salvation that we could have in God. Jonah says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, or that same word can be translated as grace, said. So he says, those who start looking to idols, those who start looking to idols, you know what they do? They forsake the hope of grace and love that they actually could have in God. God says, here's grace and love that you can have. And we say, I'm starting to forget about you and I'm turning over here. And so we actually lose out on the very thing that we are looking for elsewhere. I'll give you some examples of this, of what we love and long for and want. We could have in him, but we look elsewhere, but then we actually miss out on it. And if you've lived any period of time, which by the looks of it you have, um, <laughs> I don't think anyone's a zombie, you've lived any period of time, you've found this, you've searched after things, you've turned away from God in some way, you've forgotten God in some way, and you went after this thing because you thought you would find it. And God says, you're actually forsaking that you can have it over here. So here's a couple examples. One is acceptance. We long for acceptance. And it could become an idol to have people accept us, to have people approve of us. We long for that, and we actually turn away from God and think, maybe I can get some acceptance in this relationship. And it turns out that we don't experience what we longed for. They can never quite be accepting enough, which might create clinginess or it might create defensiveness or it might create arguments. I love, there's a song out right now. I love this song. It says, I'm not going to sing it, I might, but it says, is the only reason you're holding me tonight? Because we're scared to be lonely. Do we need somebody? Do we need somebody just to feel like we're all right? Is the only reason you're holding me tonight because we're scared to be lonely? And then it goes like, dun dun, 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 You've heard it. It's like a techno song. I was singing that the other day to somebody, as you do, and um, they, when I was, or as I do, and I was singing the like techno part. They're like, dun, 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 dun And they started crying like that. Exactly. They're like, this sounds like a really scary song, you know? But I love it because they say, look, they get into this relationship and they say, hey, is the only reason, and we can start to feel like this, is the only reason you're holding me because we're actually just scared to be lonely. I just need somebody else to feel like I'm all right. Powerful. We turn away from God. We look to acceptance and it doesn't actually fulfill. We could have acceptance in God freely, not having to work for it. We forsake our hope of steadfast love when we turn to idols, but we could have it freely in God. He gives us all the acceptance that we could ever want, all the acceptance that we could ever long for. Do we just need somebody to feel like we're all right? And the Bible actually says, yes, you do need somebody to feel like you're all right. But it's not a human. They can never fill that void. So it may be acceptance. And we turn to it looking for something and we actually forsake what we could have significance, we, we maybe turn to significance as this thing of, man, I, I need success and significance and, and maybe I want that in my job to feel like I'm to feel like I'm okay. And we don't get that ever in our job. And so we find our jobs unfulfilling and we hate work and we live for the weekend and God says you could, you've actually forsaken what you could have over here. The identity that I give you, the significance that I give you, we can talk about several others. I think even just of this, Of this can happen with anything, but especially in marriages, oftentimes you get in a fight and there's this, this desire for validation, to feel like I'm right. And we turn to that as I need to be right. I need to be validated. I need the other person to see my side. I need them to see where I'm coming from. I need them to understand my perspective because I'm right, and I need that validation from them, and what we long for over here, what we turn to over here, when we forget God, that I need this validation, what we actually end up forsaking what God would give us, which is unity in our relationship and oneness and joy. No one's ever won a fight in their marriage, and won. I know. Because my wife, no, I'm just kidding. I know because I do it all the time. It can feel like you can even win the fight and you lose, right? Because you forsake what you could have, which is grace and unity and connection, a gift that God gives in relationships that are based on grace. All sorts of other examples I could give. One final one. Comfort. We may look to comfort. We may forget God and just start to say, I just want to be as happy as I can be. I just want to build a life of pleasure and just enjoy a life. I just want comfort. I want life to be enjoyable. But you know what happens a lot of times when we pursue after comfort? And, and maybe you haven't pursued it long enough to feel this, but a lot of times what happens when we just pursue after comfort, thinking, this will bring joy in my life, you know what happens? We get bored. So you have to go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And you always find, man, I'm trying to build this joy and this comfort and this happiness into my life. But these friends are getting old. They're not as funny as they used to be. These shows are getting old. I've seen them all before. I know how it ends. These experiences are getting old. And we forsake the purpose and adventure that we could have in actually following God. We want this life of joy and comfort and pleasure so we forget God and God would say, you're actually forsaking the joy I've provided for you in laying down your life to find it and pursuing me and my mission in this world and experiencing joy that's not comfortable but that fills you with the excitement that you actually long for. It's like Gandalf told Frodo or Bilbo. It's like Gandalf told Bilbo in The Hobbit when he says, um, hey, you know, if I go on this adventure, am I going to be safe? And Gandalf says, no. I don't know exactly what he says, but he says, no. But he says, but you won't return the same. You'll be changed. It'll be an adventure. You can stay in your comfortable Hobbit life and think that that's joy and actually forsake the joy you're looking for in adventure. And the same is true with God. Jonah says, here's the problem. What do our prayers need to look like? Our prayers need to remember that forgetting, when we forget who God is, when we forget what God's like, when we forget what God has done, it leads us into an alternate reality. When you forget God, since God is there, since God is the creator, since God is who he says he is, since God has designed the world and how it works, when we forget him, we actually begin to live in an alternate reality that's not true. Anytime we forget, this is the case. If you, if you forget that you have a meeting on Tuesday, and I'm just so you know, if you've ever forgotten you have a meeting on Tuesday, I'm not like, this is not a passive-aggressive thing that I'm trying to say about you. But if you forget you have a meeting on Tuesday, and you don't show up, you're living in an alternate reality. You actually do have a meeting, you actually do have an appointment, you actually did have a commitment, and you actually weren't there. This is why people drink a lot of times themselves to drunkenness, to forget, right? To say, I actually don't want to live in this reality anymore. It's why people get high. It's why they get drunk. It's to say, I don't want to live in this reality. I want a reality that's different. I want to forget this reality. Forgetting always leads us to an alternate reality. Or if you've ever seen Hook, the movie, Robin Williams, Peter Pan, he forgets he's Peter Pan. He's an old man or he's not an old man, he's like 30 or something, I don't know. But when I saw it, he was an old man. And he, he thinks he, he, it's this alternate reality where he doesn't remember anymore who he is. He doesn't remember he's Peter Pan, and he goes to Neverland, and they try to tell him, you got to remember who you are. You need to remember that you're Peter Pan. You need to remember who Captain Hook is. You're living this life outside of Neverland, thinking you're just this old businessman, but you're Peter Pan, and he's living in an alternate reality. Look, here's my point. Anytime we forget... God is we begin to live in an alternate reality all forgetting puts us in an alternate reality that's true with it's true with drinking it's true with scheduling it's true with Peter Pan it's true with God we forget who God is and we live in an alternate reality and the prayer that we see in Jonah is this here's what prayer that moves us forward look like looks like it recognizes the idols that have drawn us away from forgetting who God is and leading us into live in an alternate reality where we actually forsake the grace that we could have, that God wants for us. So here's what our prayers look like. Prayers that move forward. They confess where this is is true. Do you want to move forward? Have Have you been stuck in some way and not known how to get out? Have you failed have you sinned and you feel the guilt of that and you're off course and you don't know how to get back? Are, are you waning in passion you once had and excitement you once had for God and for his world and for what he would call us to? Are you waning? Are you off track? Are you off course? The prayers that move us forward begin with confessing where we've forgotten, confessing where it's true that we are living an alternate reality and have forgotten who got is. And then it begins to remember, not just to recognize where we've forgotten, but prayer that moves us forward begins to remember, to look at God, to remember, and that's what Jonah's doing throughout his whole prayer, and he specifically says, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, but the whole prayer is that, the whole prayer is Jonah saying, I need to remember who you are, I need to look to you and see you again, because I've forgotten, my eyes were going after idols and I was seeking something there and then forsaking the grace I have in you. He says, what I need to do is to remember you, to remember him as Savior, specifically all throughout the prayer, Jonah is talking about how God saved him, that he brought him up from the pit, that he answered him, that his prayers went into the temple. And then he ends the prayer saying, salvation belongs to the Lord. He's saying, I need to remember again that you are the Savior that you're the one that saves my life, not these things, that you're the one that brings salvation to me, that you're the one that brings fulfillment to me, that you're the one that cares about me and rescues me even when I've run for you, that you are the Savior. Jonah says, I've got to remember this. I've got to look. I've got to identify where I've forgotten you and then I need to remember who you are as the life giver, as the Savior. For us, Jonah got to experience that in the belly of the whale. For us, we can trust that God is the Savior also. We can trust that it's worth turning to him instead of to idols. When Jesus came to the earth, people were wondering, should we trust you? People were wondering, should we look to you as Savior? People were wondering, should should we give you authority over our lives? People were wondering this about Jesus. And Jesus showed up and he said, I've got a sign for you. You you want all sorts of signs from me? You want me to do all these crazy tricks and be like David Blaine? And I'm not going to do that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you one key sign to tell you that I am the Savior, that you should trust me, that you should obey me, that you should give me authority over your life. And Jesus said, that's the sign of Jonah. Here's what he said. He said, that some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man, talking about himself, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's it. Jesus says, here's, here's the sign. You want to know if you can trust me as a savior? You want to know if you can trust me with the authority of your life? You want to know if it's worth living in my reality versus this alternate reality? You you want to know? He says, I got a sign for you. It's the sign of Jonah. Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish. And then he was raised. Jesus says, that's what I'm going to do. That's the sign I will give you. Here's what that means as is, is Jesus is establishing his authority, as he's establishing the fact that we can trust him as the one that brings life, that is the Savior. Here, here's what it means it means Jesus is like Jonah, but different from Jonah. Because Jonah was in the belly of the whale experiencing, experiencing something because of his sin. But Jesus says, Look, I'm going to go into the belly of the whale. I'm going to go, metaphorically, into the belly of the whale. I will go to the cross. I will die. I will take on all that Jonah, everything that Jonah prayed in here. I feel far from God. Jesus says, I I will enter that on the cross. Jesus says, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt the distance from God, the separation from God. Jonah says, I've got weeds entangled around my head. I'm, I'm sinking low. I'm going into the pit of death. Jesus says, I actually am going to die, not not because of something I did that got me here, but I'm doing it for you. I will go into the belly of the whale for you. I will enter the pit of death for you. I will experience the distance of God that you should feel for you. You want to know a sign that I'm Savior? You want to know a sign that you can trust me? You can live in the reality that I establish? You want to know that that I am who I say I am? Let me give you a sign. It's the sign of Jonah, Jesus says, Where unlike Jonah, I enter in not because of what I did, but because of what you did for you, to forgive you. And just as Jonah was spit out of death, I will be spit out of death for you. And this is what the Bible continually reminds us of over and over and over again. It says you need to look at your Savior. You need to look at him and exceed who he is and what he's done. You know what this does for us? If we look at Jesus as savior, it helps us know we can get back on track. Sometimes you fail, sometimes you sin, and you're filled with guilt. And this can be, again, a season, or it can be, man, you you said some bad things to your spouse. And you're just kind of feeling that, like, ah, man, can we even fix this day? Or it can be a season. Man, I've done things. I've I've wandered so far now. I've gotten myself in so deep now. I've told the lie and it's grown. I've I've, I've stole this. And man, so many years have gone by now. I don't even know what I can do with it. I've I've started to establish this relationship with somebody I shouldn't be establishing it with. But we're so deep in now. Looking at Jesus as Savior helps us know we can get back on track because whatever failures we've gone through, whatever guilt we have, whatever sins we've done, Jesus says, yeah, but look at me as Savior. I died for it. I paid for it. It doesn't have to define you. I, just as Jonah went into the belly of the whale for his guilt, Jesus said, I go into the belly of the whale for your guilt, and it's gone now. It's because I died, your sin is dead. Because you have guilt that went on me for you. You don't have it anymore. Helps us know that he's a savior, that we can get back on track. You don't have to pay for it. It doesn't have to linger. You can know he took it for me. Helps us know we can get back on track, it, and it helps us want to get back on track. Jesus says, here's the sign. The sign of Jonah is that the sins are dealt with in the belly of the whale, and that new life is given just as Jonah was vomited out and experienced new life, Jesus says, as I resurrected, I give you now life. It's not just that your guilt is gone. It's not just that the pain and the shame is taken away. It is that because he pays for it. But it's also that we get new life with him, that we're restored to right relationship. Jesus was raised from the dead. It means we can now have life with him. We're not just living guilt-free, we're living with life with him where we're restored, where we're back in relationship with him now, where he says, you're mine, and you're in my family, and I've adopted you, and you're justified, and I look at you as mine now. You have new life. And when we see him like that, we want to then follow him away from the idols that we have left him for. Looking at him as Savior helps us know we can get back on track, and it helps us want to get back on track. And let me say this. You you may say, look, I already know this. I already know Jesus is a Savior. I already know that he's gracious. I already know he forgives. I already know. So did Jonah. He was a prophet. Jonah knew that. Everything I'm saying, Jonah knew, and and you may know too. But you know what had happened? He forgot. He forgot. Jonah didn't say, I never knew this. He said, I need to remember this. I need to fight to remember this. I need to fight to remember this. To bring myself back to what is true. The first music video I ever remember seeing was a little kid. It was Michael Jackson. And it was, um, Do You Remember the time?" It's an awesome song, and I'm not going to sing it because you've probably never heard it. But he, he, he goes and rehearses this lover that he's trying to win back. And he keeps saying, don't you remember? Don't you remember the time we fell in love? Don't you remember the time that we did this? Don't you remember the time that, don't you? And he spins and he, you know, ooh, and does all that. <laughs> and it woos her back. I don't know if he actually wins her back. But the point is, she already knew all that. But he keeps saying, don't you remember that we did this? Don't you remember when we first fell in love? Don't you remember? And Jonah would say, I already know all this. And we would say, I already know Jesus is Savior. But the prayer of Jonah says this. Yes, but you've got to fight to remember it. Don't you remember who he is? Don't you remember what he's done? Don't you remember that he saves us? Don't you remember that he went to the belly of hell for us? Don't you remember? That's what the prayer of Jonah says. We need to pray like. And we need space to pray like this. Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days. It's a lot of time to reflect. A lot of times our lives are so busy and so fast-paced and doing, 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 we never actually have time to stop and go, I need to remember. I've gotten off course. I've gotten off track. And you know it in the back of your head, but you keep going and going, and life is going and going. And maybe the best thing God could do is to swallow us up knock us out, and give us some space to remember who he is. A lot of times God will do that, but we can can bring that on ourselves too. We can say, you know what, before God, you throw me in a stinky whale, maybe I'll carve out some space to try to remember who you are. Remember where I've forgotten you. None of us want to be off course. None of us want to be off track. We will be, but we can come back, and God wants to draw us back. Here's the last thing quickly. How does moving forward result from this kind of prayer? And Jonah ends his prayer with this thankful change. He says, His voice is filled with thanksgiving, and he will vow what he said he would vow. See, when we see who God is, we see what he's done for us, we see that he's the Savior we want to then obey. It's, it's this thankful thing. It's not this, joy, it's not this joyless burden of, okay, God, I'll pay you back. Okay, I'll do what you say. Okay, it's this, man, I'm thankful for what you've done, so I want to obey. But it's not conviction without commitment. It also is, man, I'm thankful for what you've done, and so I will vow. I will obey what I have vowed. I will make changes now, God. I won't just pray these prayers in the belly. I will make changes changes. And as we'll see, Jonah didn't stick to those completely. His heart began to go back. But prayer that moves us forward is thankful. It's not trying to earn something, and it actually makes changes. It says, I will pay what I have vowed. God, you've shown me where I've forgotten you. I will now make changes to my time and my money and my relationships, and my goals, and my pursuits, and my direction, and whatever it might be that God says, here's where you've run. We say, okay, I'll make changes. Life's not straight. going to have lows, going to have failures, going to have guilt. But that doesn't have to define us. We can remember who he is, and when we take communion, that's exactly what we do. Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. Remember that my body was broken for you. Remember that my blood was shed for you. Let it be a visceral experience. Let it be an experience you can actually feel like Jonah did in the belly of the whale. So that's what we do now. We'll take communion. We'll sing songs. We'll pray and remember who God is. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that this is true. That you are gracious to us and you love us and you pursue us. You run after us. We don't have to stay off course. We don't have to stay off track. God, you want more for us than that. You want us to experience life with you in your steadfast love. You want us to know that you're Savior. So I pray, help us, God, even now as we take communions, we pray prayers, we sing some songs, help us remember you in your name.